Okay, uh, good, good morning, everyone. Blessings to you on this, uh, on this Sabbath. Rabbi, I got a good laugh out of hearing that, uh, strangely enough, COVID has not canceled the, uh, the God's appointed times of meeting with his people. That's good to know, right? It seems like I read somewhere that those were to be an everlasting covenant. Yes. So, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm right on that. Maybe we can look it up. So, uh, welcome to everyone here. Um, welcome to those who are uh, with us in spirit and with us through the, the, the digital media that we have. Um, some people are choosing to avoid physically coming here, and that's just fine. You know, we all have to, we all have to make our own decisions based on our own uh, physical capabilities and what we think this, uh, this nasty little virus is going to do to us or not going to do to us. So, so uh, welcome to everyone. Uh, so today, uh, I'll be reading from the, the digital Torah scroll, right? I don't get to, uh, I don't get to read from um, our Torah scroll. As, as Rabbi says, it's, it's uh, truly a blessing to have this, this wonderful uh, Torah scroll. It's a, it's a work of art. It's uh, beautiful, and it's a, a labor of love. It's a labor of professional care and concern. Um, I think I've heard that it would take a competent scribe uh, roughly a half a year to record uh, the, the words of the Torah from, from one scroll to the next. And so, therefore, you're, you're talking about uh, a skilled laborer's work over half a year, right? So that, that should give us some context of... Uh, just uh, how wonderful that Torah scroll is. However, uh, I'll also, the, the digital Torah scroll, it's uh, sometimes easier to see the letters, right? The R's don't look like D's, right? Because, you know, and, and, and if, you, if you go look, right, as the master said, not one jot or one tittle has fallen out of the Torah, but sometimes they're a little bit harder to see when they're the, the result of human handwritings instead of a digital projection. So uh, there's, there's goods and bads. All right, let me take the good with the bad. Um, before, I, uh, before I get started, uh, I've, I've had a wonderful week. Um, I hope that you have too. Uh, I really hope that your week has been blessed. Uh, what a wonderful way to end the week with the, with the Sabbath, right? We get all of Amen. our work done, and then we're able to rest uh, in the same way that uh, when, when, the, when the heavens and the earth in, in their complete array had been created in six days, uh, the Almighty, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, He also rested. So what a, what, a, what a wonderful pattern for us to follow. I've had a wonderful week. I want to, uh, before I get started, I want to share two stories with you. Uh, uh, perhaps these stories will uh, bless you as much as they've blessed me. So um, my, uh, my, my normal job is uh, I'm an engineer. I work out at uh, Case New Holland. Uh, we build skid steers, right? you're interested in getting a skid steer, don't you dare buy something from Cat or Kubota, right? Come, come get one of ours, of course, all right? Shameless plug for my company on the Sabbath. That's probably <laughs> blasphemy. But so I'm, I'm working, and uh, usually I, I get there early in the morning. I walk the line to make sure that at least my part of the line has been set up and all the workers have the things they need. Um, you know, strangely enough, some of these tools will just disappear, right? You've got a nice, nice new impact gun, and huh, that, that walked off somewhere. 
you know, and, and someone might have a new impact gun in his garage, right, at home, but these things happen. So I'm, I'm walking the line, and I'm chatting with one of the, the, the workers who's on the line, and he has these, these beautiful tattoos just everywhere. And uh, so, so I, I just comment on it. Well, hey, you've got some nice ink there. And, and with the Almighty, blessed be he, as my witness, I did not poke this badger. I did not lead him in this conversation. I just, hey, it's great art. Looks great. And he said, yeah, well, um, you know, I, I got all these tattoos uh, before I was walking with the Lord. And these tattoos are, uh, these, these tattoos are an act of rebellion against my parents. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, so, so why, your, your parents didn't like tattoos? Uh, no, no, uh, my parents uh, raised good, good Southern Baptist upbringing, you know, but, but I rejected that upbringing. And, you know, so my parents didn't like these tattoos. And, uh, you know, well, do you have any tattoos? And, uh, well, no, I, I actually attend a, a, a Jewish synagogue and tattooing is considered a violation of the Torah. So I, I don't have any tattoos. He says, oh, wow, so, so you're, you're Jewish. And I, I didn't stop to split any sort of hairs about how I'm not ethnically Jewish, but he, he went on, oh, do you know the Lord? And I said, well, yes, I do. This is a messianic synagogue. We're, we're Jews and Gentiles. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And again, I did not lead him into this. He said, these are his words. These are not my words, but these are his words that I hope will encourage you from a fellow believer in Christ. He said, wow, that's so amazing. It is so amazing that God is keeping his covenants with the house of Israel. Amen. He said this. He said this. Amen. This is, this is a man who is he's working the line. He's a skilled laborer. He works with his hands. As far as I know, he is not a rabbi. As far as I know, he is not a Torah scholar, but he is one of our fellow believers in Christ who just exploded, and he's a big guy. This was a big explosion, right? He exploded. Wow, that is so cool. God is keeping his covenants with, with his people and with the house of Israel, and it is so amazing that people care about these covenants because if, if all of this stuff isn't true, then it's not true at all. And if he doesn't care about this, and if Israel isn't the time clock of the world, then nothing matters, and every one of us is wrong. So uh, that, was, that was my experience walking the line at the factory on uh, Thursday. So, um, you know, from a man covered literally head to toe in, in some, some really nice ink, by the way. It's very artistic, right? So this is... Uh, this is at least one small picture of what um, our, our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters in the body of the Messiah uh, are thinking. So I hope that encourages you as, as much as it encouraged me. It was, uh, I thought it was amazing. It was very wonderful. I'd like to tell you another story to, uh, to inspire you. And I, I would, I might be dishonest via omission if I don't tell you that one of the reasons I'm telling you these stories is that on Wednesday night, uh, I got a call from Rabbi asking me if I would preach. So I haven't had adequate time to really study, so I thought that I'd also tell you some stories, right? But um, 
I do think I have, have studied adequately, and I think that, of course, God's Word is always faithful to, uh, to work in its own way. I, I think I'll have some good stories for you. But uh, so, so Rabbi called me on my digital Torah scroll, and he didn't get a hold of me, so he knew that the most effective way to actually get action out of me is to call my wife. So he calls my wife, who had her phone with her, and, uh, hi, hi, Emily, how are the kids? Oh, is Joe there? And I, w- I was right there on speaker, so, so I, I, I knew something was up, and so uh, that's when I was, uh, decided that I would preach today on the, the Torah portion. That's right, I was washing dishes, right? Of all of, like Rabbi says, a good husband washing dishes. Uh, my wife hates dishes. And um, of all the chores that we do in our house, I, I like washing dishes. Uh, I always wash dishes with my father. And uh, when, when doing chores, you know, my, when I had to do chores for my mother, my mother was kind of a slave driver. But my father was very much uh, very relaxed and if, um, uh, if you know my father, he's just very relaxed, very laid back, and, you know, well, we'll get it done, and then we'll eat some chocolate or something like that. So I always associate doing dishes with good things, yes. So I was doing dishes at the time that, uh, that uh, the Lord spoke through rabbi, and the Lord convinced me through rabbi on my wife's cell phone that I should preach today. So... Um, I do want to share with you another story of something that happened this week. Um, it is something that has, uh, has really inspired me. Um, and again, I hope it will inspire you in the same way that it inspires me. Um, so the, the bottom line up front is, right, one thing happened in my, my, my normal job, and then I have another job. I'm uh, teaching part-time in a uh, classical Christian homeschool group, and, uh, you know, this has, this has been a blessing, and, uh, you know, to show you the, the contrast and the blessing that it is, you know, we, we need to go way back, let's go way back, uh, in the beginning, God created, the, not that far back, um, actually, we'll go back to about uh, four, four years ago, three and a half years ago, when uh, my family and I were living in New York, and I had a job in manufacturing. I'm an industrial engineer, so manufacturing is what we do. Right? I had a job in manufacturing, and this was a terrible job. It was just, it was, it was terrible. Hostile work environment, just miserable, hated life, long hours, you know, and, and not long hours of anything pleasant, long hours of coming home and, oh, you'll never believe what management did today, right? That sort of thing. So, you know, and then we... Uh, you know, determined that to, to go and care for my mother-in-law, we'd need to leave New York and go to Colorado. She had some health issues, and we wanted to be there for her. And so I'm looking around for manufacturing jobs in Colorado, and uh, my wife says, you know, maybe, maybe instead of manufacturing, you should teach. And I rolled my eyes... And I, I sighed theatrically. Oh, I, woman, I'd sooner have a sharp stick in the eye than teach. Right? And, well, no, you'd be a good teacher, right? When you were in school, you were a teacher's aide. You're always good at this stuff. You, you like academics. Go be a teacher. 
oh, I don't, that sounds like a terrible idea. Let's do it. Couldn't be any worse than working manufacturing in New York. So, so, I, uh, so I moved to Colorado, and I got a job as a teacher, right? I taught at a little, uh, a little public school in Florence, Colorado, uh, kind of south-central Colorado. And um, so, uh, the, um, so, so this is just part of the story that shows you that environment. Um, and then I'll contrast it to the environment where I'm teaching now. So, so I show up to work on a, you know, my first day of school, and we're, we're you know, teaching and um, you know, getting into math. And you know, so I, I believe that learning is a, a sacred endeavor, right? So in, in your sacred endeavors, you should dress in a manner appropriate to a sacred endeavor. So my students asked me, okay, well, what, what are those things you're wearing from your pants? Okay, all right, well, so uh, technically they're not from my pants. I've got a garment. It has four corners on it. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, take out your Bibles and open your Bibles to Numbers 15, 37 through 41. All right, well, no one had a Bible, right, in this public school, right? And let me just say, let me make an editorial note that that is to the shame of Western civilization, that no one had a Bible in a class of roughly 25 students. Okay, take out your silly little digital Torah scrolls, because I know you all have them, even though you're not supposed to in class, and Google it for me. Okay, they Google it for me. All right, speak to the children of Israel. You know, that throughout their generations, they will wear tassels from the corners of their garments with a thread of blue running through it. Right, okay, so that's what it is. All right, read to me Deuteronomy 22, verse 12. Okay, twisted, twisted cords from the tassels of your garments. All right, good, right? And so before lunch, before lunch, I get called to the principal's office. You're making the kids read the Bible. Well, no, I'm actually not. I'm not making them do anything. I'm answering their questions, right? In the same way, that in my math class, you know, from time to time, kids will be exposed to the works of Sir William Shakespeare or Milton, right? classical works that have influenced Western civilization. They will also be exposed to the Bible, especially when the Bible answers their questions on the particular manner of my dress. Right? So, but, so that's, that was my first day of teaching high school at Florence, Colorado. And the experience there was actually quite wonderful, right? Florence uh, is a wonderful place. Um, not necessarily the place you want to teach math, uh, but I had a wonderful time. The, the, the math teaching position at Florence High School is kind of like the defense against the dark arts at Hogwarts, right? Because they've never had a professor, a teacher there for more than, uh, more than two years, and it seems like everyone there has you know, some sort of curse upon him. But anyways, uh, as I've told you, this is already a digression, right? So why does that matter? Because this week um, I was in seminar with uh, these, these homeschool kids, and um, we, uh, you know, we just had a wonderful time because this group is uh, a homeschool group that affirms the, the, the nature of truth, right? That all truth is God's truth. 
and that we're going to educate in a manner uh, that, that shows that, right? And so in, um, in my class, or my seminar, if you will, we start, uh, we start every, every strand, every hour of our study with a prayer. And we end every hour of study with a prayer, right? So we're able to express our faith um, and, and learn in, uh, in this, this, this manner. So it was really quite wonderful. What I now want to encourage you, the, the words with which I want to encourage you are the words that some of these kids spoke, young, young men and women. I mean, uh, I think the oldest one in my class is 15 years old, right? So, you know, in, in just the, the beginning stages of becoming the adults that they will be and leaving behind the, the children that they used to be, but so young people, you know, they were, they were praying to the Lord, you know, thank you, God, for these things that you have given us to learn, right? And, and that prayer is actually really deep. I mean, you know, we, we can all, you know, we, we've probably all got things that we say when we pray, right? We've all, all right, you need to pray. Okay, well, let's start with Baruch Atah Adonai, because that's how every prayer begins, right? But so... This was a, a student praying and thanking God for the things that he has given us to learn. And implicit in the idea that God has given us these things to learn is that God has a will for us. God's perfect will for us is that we learn these things. And we can then respond to God's will by learning these things that he and his mercy has given us. So it, it seems that, you know, we're, we're always, you know, if, if you want to see a picture of today's youth gone wrong, you know, Google any news service, right? Turn on the TV, you know, however you get your news, you can, you can see it, right? Um, today's youth going right, today's youth being led in the direction they should go, ideally, so they do not stray from it when they're old, right? I get to see that. I got to see that yesterday. So I want to encourage you that, uh, at least based on my experience, the, um, the, uh, the, the future, the, the young adults that will be growing and learning and taking leadership at some point in time are, uh, are, are doing okay. They're doing quite well. So I hope you're, uh, I hope you're um, uh, inspired by that as I was inspired and edified by that. Um, also, right, this, this is fun, uh, I did have one young man who made the comment, we were, we were discussing, uh, is a good leader the same thing as an effective leader, right? Does, a, does an, effective, an effective leader can certainly lead in doing evil, right? A, does a good leader, you know, what do we mean by good leader? And then we got onto the topic of what do we mean by good? And I had, a student who, uh, I had a student who made the comment that, well, uh, good is a matter of opinion. So, uh, and I, I believe that the reference there was to moral good. Moral good is a matter of opinion. So uh, I will, you know, I, I still have some work to do, right? I don't have to, you know, pour a little powder into my hand and extend the right hand of fellowship to, to that young man. But, um, you know, we, we have, well, we have work to do. It's good work. So... Um, uh, that's, that's a very, very long way of welcoming you and 
hoping that uh, you're uh, inspired by some of these things that happened to me. Um, hoping those are uh, words aptly spoken. So, uh, I will now read to you from the, uh, the digital Torah scroll. The, uh, the wonderful thing about the... Uh, I've already mentioned that the, the digital Torah scroll is a little bit easier to read because we don't have the variation of the uh, handwritings. And the part of today's passage that I'm going to read starts out really super easy, right? Uh, it starts out, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, right? How many times do we see that in the Torah? So that one's easy. Some words I would like you to, for which you can listen. Words to pay attention, right? I would like you to listen to the word li, right? Um, in Hebrew, right, when we say something is for someone, we put an L on the front of it, right? So if the, the king is the melech, if something is for the king, it is le melech, right? Um, so if it is for me, if it is demonstrating my possession, we just put the little I on the end of it, right? So li is mine. And in this part of the uh, Torah portion, you're going to hear uh, the Almighty, blessed be he, making a claim of ownership on the sons of Israel, uh, specifically on the Levites in this case. But he's going to say, right, he's going to make the claim, so-and-so is mine, right? I'm taking this other group in place of that. Now this group is mine. They are mine. They are for me, Li, in the Hebrew. Uh, another word I'd like you to listen for is the word bakor. Bakor is the firstborn, right? So we're going to, you know, the Lord is going to make a claim on the firstborn in this passage. Really, he's going to restate a claim that he's made previously. And so, um, bakor is the Hebrew word for firstborn, which you'll hear in this passage. Uh, one thing I'd like you to be considering is there is one, right, who is the firstborn from the dead, right? We've heard many stories, many, many stories that we have evidence that they are, that they are true, right? Talking about people who came back from the dead, right? Lazarus came back from the dead, presumably to die again, right? Uh, the, the little girl that people were laughing and sneering at the master because, oh, this poor man is too stupid to understand that she's dead, right? Then he raised her and made her no longer dead, right? She came back to life, again, presumably to die again. Uh, there was a man who touched the bones of the prophet Elisha, right? He, he was dead, they were taking him to bury him. They were going to bury him next to prophet Elisha. They threw him in the grave. He bumped the bones. He came back to life, right? presumably to die again. There is one, blessed be he, who has come back to life, to the power of an eternal life, who will live forevermore. Right? He is the firstborn. Bakor. Bakor memout, right, is how we'd say it in Hebrew, the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn from the dead. So um, those two words I'd like you to listen to as I uh, read a few verses from uh, the, the Torah. Ve'idbar Adonai ilamoshe le'amor v'ani hine l'kakti et Halevim Mebne Yisrael Tracht Kol Bakor 
Peter, Rachem, Mebne Yisrael, Vahiyu, Li, Halavim, Ki, Li, Kol, Bakor, Bayom, Hakakti, Kol, Bakor, Baeret, Mitzrayim, Hakadashti, Li, Kol, Bakor, Bayisrael, Madam, Ad Bahima, Li, Yahu, Ani Adonai. Uh, the word of the Lord. Um, also, the. Uh, so, uh, let's see, we'll go ahead and read that in English, if you please. That's uh, the, uh, the last part of our Torah reading for the day, right? And um, as always, Rabbi, in his wisdom and his sense of humor, chose to give me something from Numbers, right? Numbers is always an exciting read. And um, many of you are witnesses that I've been up here before saying, I learned the last time that I read from the book of Numbers that uh, when, when you first look at the numbers, the census, and say, oh, there's nothing here, right? All you need to do is look a little bit deeper, right? So this is what's going on. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb from the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine. Because all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck the firstborn from the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine, for I am the Lord. Now, again, I think it's very clear, based on the continuing revelation that we have, that the firstborn in this case is the firstborn of the Father, and that is, of course, our Master. Right? So we can understand that this passage is in addition to the claim of the Almighty, blessed be He, on the firstborn of man and beast in Israel, right? that He has the claim of the firstborn from the dead. Right? This is Right? This is the same firstborn that in, in days to come, in the age to come, every tongue will bow, or every knee will bow, every tongue is going to confess that this firstborn, Jesus, is Lord. Why are we doing that? To the glory of God the Father. Right? So this is the Almighty, blessed be He, making that claim and reminding us of what's going on. Um, our Haftorah passage... I will also read that for you. Um, there, are some, uh, there are some great words in Hebrew. I'm not going to read the Haftorah from the prophet uh, Isaiah. I'm not going to read the Hebrew for you. But there are some words in here that are relevant and that I think we should know. So let me explain some of them. Uh, first of all, hakakthi, right? What's that word? Well, if, if uh, you went to uh, the previous synagogue that I attended, we sang this song. Akaki lo, akaki lo, akaki lo be kol yom sheavo, which means 
I'll wait on him, I'll wait on him, I'll wait on him till the day of his coming. Right. Now, so in this passage, you'll hear us talking about wait. Right. What I would like you to consider that what does it mean to wait? If we say, I'll wait on him, right? is this the kind of waiting where you are allowed into the, uh, allowed into the doctor's office or perhaps the DMV, right? And you're told, oh, well, just wait for a little while. Go sit over there, occupy some space, allow the arrow of time to point in the direction of you getting older and leave me alone, okay? That is not the kind of wait that is implied here in the Hebrew word, right? Uh, this is the kind of wait that, you know, you are waiting in ambush on someone. That's an active wait, right? If you've ever been in the military and you've been out training and you've been on the ambush line for a few hours and you're bored stupid, but guess what? The bad guy might come along at any point in time. So you need to be ready to shoot the bad guy when he comes into your area. That's the kind of wait that we're doing, right? Also, uh, you know, COVID this, COVID that, Go find a waiter at your favorite restaurant in downtown Wichita. A waiter, someone who waits upon people. Ask him if his job is boring. Ask him if he never does anything in his job. No, this is an active word, right? I will wait on him. Right? Hopefully, I will wait on him, not in the manner of the foolish virgins, but in the manner of the wise virgins, right? Also, another word, uh, lemedi right? Lemed, to learn. So those who learn are my disciples. And it is a wonderful coincidence that our rabbi just finished preaching a series on making disciples of people. Certainly nothing more than a coincidence, I'm sure, right? But you will hear uh, in the passage from Isaiah that um, we're, we're talking about uh, disciples here. And in this case, these are lemedi, right? These are people who learn. So our passage from Isaiah, which is an amazing passage, and I'm not going to have time today to cover all of the relations of this passage, but I will do my best. So bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. I will hope in him. Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter. Should not a people seek their God? Are they seeking the dead on behalf of the living? So go to the law and the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. They will pass through hard-pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. And then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Hmm. It got worse as the passage went on, didn't it? All right. Now, my question to you. Oh. What is this darkness that we're talking about? All right. Well, I think we can answer that. 
Now turn for me, if you will, to the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I will read for you verses 1 through 14. We're going to talk about that darkness, right? We, right? By we, I mean Paul, St. Paul the Apostle, who is going to tell us from the book of Ephesians, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, or he who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So, one thing I'd like to note, right? I, I think we've answered the question, what is that darkness, right? This is the darkness that the prophet Isaiah says these, these people will go into, right? If you are, you know, if, you know, what, whatever silly thing, you know, we, the prophet Isaiah says, to the law and to the testimony, that's where we're going, right? He also said that those are the things that he wanted to seal up with his disciples, seal up the law with my disciples, and I will wait on the Lord. But there are these other people who are telling us, what are they telling us? Well, this is sage advice. <clears throat> and I quote, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter. Right? Again, sage advice. Right? The prophet asks instead, should not a people seek their God? Right? And then he says, of these people, of these people who are giving this this terrible advice to really to pursue anything that is not of God. But in this case, specifically ref making a reference to the occult, he says that they will look to the earth, they will see trouble and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. All right? Good thing it's them, right? Third person, them. But wait a second. It's not necessarily them. Let's see what Paul says. Look again at the Ephesians passage, if you please. Specifically, verse 8. For you were once darkness. You were once darkness. That's interesting. You were once darkness. 
That's the same darkness that the prophet Isaiah seems to consider a bad thing, right? You will be driven into darkness is what he said. Paul is saying that you were once that. You weren't in the darkness. You were the darkness. Thanks heavens he's writing the past tense, right? So, he says you were the darkness, right? Well, what happens in the dark? Well, you go to sleep, right? But the Apostle Paul here has a better idea for us. Not only does he have a better idea, but he's going to go back and quote the prophet Isaiah, and he says, Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Okay, let's go look at Isaiah, the 60th chapter. <clears throat> Regardless of what you think of the, uh, the COVID mask thing, COVID mask makes a good bookmark in your Bible. So uh, I've found it valuable. I did not have the 60th uh, chapter of Isaiah bookmarked, though. I ran out of masks. Right? Remember, this is what the Apostle Paul is quoting. He says, Awake, you sleep, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The 60th chapter of Isaiah. Arise, shine. Okay, why? Especially if it's my oldest child. Arise, shine. Thanks, but no thanks. I'd sooner sleep all day. No. The prophet tells us why. Arise, shine. Why? For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. And if you're a fan of George Frederick Handel right now, you're probably wanting me to burst into song. I will spare you from that. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen. Where? His glory will be seen upon you. All right? Now, let's not consider that there is any glory in us. All right? Mankind is fallen. Mankind is inherently fallen. We are fallen from conception. This is a fallen world. There is no glory inherent in mankind. So let's read this again and understand what the prophet Isaiah is trying to say to us. I'll back up. Darkness shall cover the earth. Yeah, that same darkness we were talking about. And deep darkness, the people. And we'll just leave it at that. So let's close in prayer. No, actually, the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. His glory, right? So what, how is this happening? His glory, for something to be seen upon you, light has to bounce off of you and reflect to the one who is viewing it, right? Physics. So, for his glory to be seen upon you, that light Who's the way, the truth, and the light? Life. Who is the light of the world? I think Jesus is the light of the world, right? So his glory has to bounce off you so other people can see it, right? His glory. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Again, key point, his glory will be seen upon you. 
right? as opposed to the choices you can make if we decide contrary to what the prophet said. Right? The prophet asked a question right, in, in our half Torah portion. The prophet said, should not a people seek their God? The answer is obviously yes. Right? But if you say no, a people should not seek their God. Okay, fine. You'll be driven into darkness. Right? You'll wander about the earth. You'll become enraged. You'll curse your king and you'll curse your God. Right? And you'll be driven into darkness. However, the prophet says, should not a people seek their God? And if these people seek their God, then God is telling us, arise and shine for your light has come, right? The gospel according to Isaiah. So, so what, right? We have, we have a Torah portion in which God claims ownership of us. God claims ownership of the firstborn, right? I'm arguing that God has ownership of the firstborn from the dead, right? Then we come into our half Torah portion, right? Our half Torah portion says, should not a people seek their God? It seems to me that the obvious answer is yes. Right? Both the prophet, Isaiah, and the apostle Paul are telling us to wake up. What, what then do we need to do? Right? Well, let's answer that question. <clears throat> Turn with me, will you please, to the 13th chapter of St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. I will read to you from verse 8 to verse 12. Chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And any other commandments are summed up in the saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, Love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time that is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore, therefore what, Paul? Tell us. Okay, so he does. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. There's your answer. Right. Uh, you know, St. Paul is telling us, he's giving us a call to arms, literally a call to arms, right? He said that this light is armor. This is a weapon. Maybe it's just that I'm a soldier. Maybe that only appealed to me for that reason. But it seems like Paul, who to the best of my knowledge was not a soldier, talks a lot about weapons, right? He specifically says, let us put on the armor of light. The night is far spent. So, if, if these words are to be considered relevant for today, then every person here must ask himself, what do I need to do? Well, wake up. Let's consider the irony that someone giving a sermon is telling you to wake up. I didn't, I didn't plan that, but that, that's wonderful, right? Wake up. 
Not just because someone's up here giving a sermon, but wake up. Why? Because the night is spent. That time of darkness. You know, people were cast into darkness. And you, every one of you, I, every believer in the Messiah and every person who has been a believer. It was true of all of those people that they were darkness. But the night is far spent and the day is at hand. So we're done with that. We're done being darkness. Right? And what does Paul say? Right? Paul says we need to start fulfilling that law. We need to love one another. That's the fulfillment of the law. So I would like to close now that I've perhaps woken you up or maybe you're still sleeping during the sermon. That's kind of traditional. Um, let's look at the, uh, the passage for today from our New Covenant portion. Uh, that's in the, the Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter, and it starts in, uh, starts in verse 26. Right? Again, I think we're going to get an answer what should we do? What do I need to do? Jesus, the lover of our souls, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the second person of the Trinity, the creator of the universe, is going to answer a question for us here. So, Jesus answered to them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Then they said to him, What should we do that we may work the works of God? That's a good question. I mean, if, if all of, of this stuff is true, that seems a good question. Right? If, if the universe was created, if God owns the universe, if God made everything, if he owns us, it is rational to assume not necessary but certainly possible that God wants us to do something this is a great question these people are asking what shall we do that we may work the works of God Jesus answered and said to them this is the work of God are you ready for it this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent therefore they said to him what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe, and that the Father, all that the Father gives me, will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up at the last day. 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How then is it he says, I've come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, don't murmur amongst yourselves. Right? I think it was the, the cultists that Isaiah was talking about who were murmuring and whispering. Right? Jesus is saying, don't murmur amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who's from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I shall give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So, you got your answer. All right, time to wake up. Sermon's over anyway, so it's literally time to wake up. But also, it's time to wake up, arise, shine, for your light has come. This is the light. All right, what shall we do that we may work the works of God Great question. Excellent question. Anyone who has a heart for God should probably be asking that question. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So I'd like to leave you with a blessing. Mi Barak Avotenu, Avraham, Vietzak, Viakov, Beimotenu, Sarah, Rivka, Leah, Barachel, Hu Yitbarak. Kol se shamam et devarim toraze ve halekum fihum. May he who blessed our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and our mothers Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel, may he bless everyone who hears the words of this Torah and does them. Amen? Amen. Amen.